get a, so many resumes. How in the world pulpit committee under failures it out sometimes, I don't know. But it went on a while. Y'all interested in me telling this story? This is how I got here. It went on a while, and Ryan called me, and he said, uh, I think he used this term, you're still in the running. We've got it down to four or six or whatever they had. And he said, could you talk to us? It just happened Peggy and I were coming to see Bruce and Tammy. And I said, well, we'll be down that area the Friday or the next Friday night. And if you want to, I'll meet with you. I think it's on Friday night. So we came down. We stopped in Frankfurt. You all know you can look up your email on an iPhone. I did, see if I'd gotten anything. There was an email from Ryan Todd with a 40-question error. If you haven't been in the ministry, you probably don't know what that is, but that's everything. When, when did you clean your toenails last or whatever so the committee can really look at you, you know. And, and I called him and I said, Ryan, I'm on my way to down there and I'm in Frankfurt. There's no way I can answer this thing for you before I get there. He said, well, don't worry about it. I get here and there's a train across the railroad track down here. That was strike one, should have been, Right. I kept seeing these cars go behind me. I figured they knew where they was going. I didn't know where they were going, so I didn't follow them. Finally, the train moved. Found out Ryan was over here because he knew how to get around the thing. I didn't. He pulls us up in front of the parsonage. We just look, basically look in. If I look at the outside, I think we may have gone in. I don't remember. And then he tells me we're going to go to the truck stop and meet the rest of the committee. So I tell Peggy where we're going, and I pull in the truck stop, and she says, what are you doing here? I said, this is where we'll meet. Well, I thought you said the whistle stop. <laughs> well, that was strike two, because I've done messed with the train, and Peggy wants to go to the whistle stop instead of the truck stop. So some of the committees here, we met, didn't we? And I said to them, I said, let me share with you who I am before we ask, you ask me any questions. And I went through everything from my call to preach to where I was that night. And then I said to him, if you have any questions, I'll answer anything you ask. And they said, we have no questions. Right? No questions. Now, I think the only thing is ask Jim Route 1 to know what was the difference in preaching now when I started and then if I'd known he was a carpenter I said what's the difference in being a carpenter now with a nail gun and a big hammer you know there's a lot of difference but I tried to explain it anyway they said well that's good we got three other guys I think y'all were talking to we can go I said no we're not leaving we're going to talk about money don't preachers like to talk about money because that's all they want right that's why we talk about tithing and giving and all that. It wasn't literal, but you could kind of hear jaws are hitting the table. And this is what I said to them. Y'all correct me if I'm telling you wrong. I said, I don't know what you pay, but I believe you're a church big enough to take care of your pastor. And I would not tell you that I would come for an extra $100 or $200 a week. If you can't take care of me, God will close the door with that. God is my witness. I did not know what I was making until I got the first check after I came here.
God put me here because God wanted me here at this time. It wasn't because I sought it. There were times when I thought I deserved something that I didn't. And I wanted something that God didn't want me to have. But God gave me something better than I could have ever known. You see, in James 4, 3, a selfish petition is what these boys had. In James 3, James 3 says this, And even when you ask, you don't get it, because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. In church, sometimes that's what we want. We want our way. We don't ask ourselves, what does God want? Friday night, some of us met, not specifically with, but with 53,000 people around the world. And from 7 o'clock until about 1.20 on Saturday morning, we worshiped with those 53,000 people. Fasting, prayer, and the pursuit of God. One of the things that I learned that hit me like a ton of brick. Simple, probably even said it before, but that night it hit me. Last night when Peggy and I went to bed, I put on a tape, or on the, pulled up a sermon, by Charles Stanley on fasting. It's not an option, it's a command. And I thought if the decisions I had made in my life would have come with prayer and fasting and the pursuit of God rather than myself, how could God have used me? How could God have used me? He says, you ask and you don't have because your motives are wrong. You only want what you want. Boys, do you understand what you're asking for? Yes, you're going to experience it. And we know they did. Because every one of those men suffered a horrible death except John. And he was exiled to Patmos. And God used him up to about his hundredth year to reveal through him the book of Revelation. Are you willing, am I willing, to say to God that whatever I want, then I'm willing to accept the consequences that come with it? to serve you, to be what you'd have me to be. The second thing that we see here was a somber and serious, or serious, I put somber and then I put in parentheses, serious, if you'd rather hear, use that word, proclamation in verses 40 through 44. Look what he says uh, to us here in those verses. Remember, he said in verse 40, but to sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. Jesus said to him, I couldn't, I couldn't give you that privilege if I wanted to because that's the Father's privilege. And then he went ahead and said, and when the ten, uh, and when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. You see, the other disciples heard what they had to say and they were mad at them because they were wanting to be chiefs as well. That's what happens to us sometimes in our churches. We all want our way. 
And what we need is to have that fasting and prayer so we can know what God's will is and we can do what the songs we were singing about today, we are one in the Lord. We are who He'd have us to be. We have such a love for each other that the world out here knows how we are and who we are. And then look what it says in verse 42. But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slaves to all. He says, just fall into where I want you. Don't, don't want to just be the big shot. I hear from people say it that I talk to that, that are in a position to help men, and especially young pastors. And I've heard many of them say, the young guy doesn't want to go out to the church. It's got 50 or 60 or 70. They want to start in the church with a four or 500. They don't understand that men have worked and given themselves and God has promoted them, give them an opportunity, or God has blessed the church and it's grown to that point. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus asked, was asked a question and he reversed it. One day an expert in religious law, this is Luke 10 by the way, Luke 10 verses 25 through 27. The Bible says one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's powerful, isn't it? Do I love the Lord with all my mind, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength? Do I love Him that much? I want to. But do I? I know one thing, unless He does it through me, I cannot do it. Because this old human flesh will be crying out to satisfy it rather than me surrender my heart and life to God. Especially love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? What did he say in the Good Samaritan story? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor isn't just the persons who live on either side of you or across the road or behind you. Our neighbor is anybody out there, isn't it? Who is your neighbor? Do, you, do we love people? With all of our heart, do we care about other people? Think about what God has given us, how good God has been to us. How much do we love each other? Can we go out of this place today and walk out that door together? Could we walk down Main Street in this town together as, as a church that loves the Lord? And could we sing to the top of our voices and the gusto that would come with it? And if there were people lined on both sides of the street, would they know that we are one in the Lord? Would they know how much we love each other, that there's a bond of love that is built in us that only comes through Jesus Christ? What do you think it would do for a town like this? What do you think would happen in Louisville today if every Christian could gather in downtown Louisville and fill that place and sing that song and the world in Louisville could see a church united who love each other? Did any of you 
watch the draft of NFL, any of it, Thursday night, besides me? Nobody did? Did you all see Broadway Street in Nashville? Sardines. Sardines. You all know what I mean by sardines? It was packed. It was just a sea of people. And it was raining. And they were standing in the rain to find out who gets to play for their football team. Oh, Christians, we got to stay up from 7 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Oh, preacher, I can't do that. Lord, you don't know my bedtime's 8.30. If I don't get in bed at 8.30, I'm going to die. Oh, Lord, don't ask me to do something like that. That would be the most terrible thing that you could ask of me to come and sit and worship with 53,000 people. Because I just, Lord, it's just terrible, you know. Oh, you don't, you, you, you don't know the case. You don't know my circumstances. I don't, but I know God does. And I'm going to tell you, nine out of ten of us could do it if we really wanted to. There's health reasons. Yes, there's, there's reasons that some couldn't do it. But let's just face it. You know why most of us don't do things like that? Because we don't want to. If it was something we wanted to do, we'd be there. I used to, I didn't laugh about it, I used to get aggravated. My dad and my stepmother had tickets to Tennessee's football games. Well, you know when football's played now, most of them's every night, about 8 or 9 o'clock, right? Oh man, I can't stay up to go, but buddy, I can haul her off to Knoxville. I can sit out there in the weather for two or three hours for a ball game and then drive back home and get home after midnight. I can do that. I'll go to church. and. <laughs> And spend four or five hours with those folks? Golly bum, can you imagine spending five hours with Richard and Liz and Mandy? Can you imagine doing that? And it's 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm up there spending time with them. Could, how could you do that, preacher? Oh, God, I want this. God, I want that. God, if you'll, God, if you'll just... But don't ask anything extra out of me. Boy, I've gone meddling again, but let me go on to verse Matthew 5, 43 through 45. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 43 through 45. You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Boy, I tell you, Listen, folks, I'm telling you the truth. I've been there and I've done that. It, it can only be accomplished by people who know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. The old human nature will not let us do that. It's only through a powerful spiritual experience of the Holy Spirit conquering the old man and letting us do it. You don't know what you're asking for, he told them. But if you do, there's some things you got to do. And then finally, he said, there's a spiritual pattern for it. Listen to what he said in verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. It's willing to be a nobody for Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's willing to take the back seat, the furthest seat away. It's willing to take the lowest position, whatever that position may be, for His glory. Calvin Terry was my pastor when I surrendered to preach. When I got ready to go off to go to school because 
I'd never even gone to college. Calvin said, Tony, I want to tell you something. Loved that man. He died here just a few weeks ago. I never heard him say anything that I doubted. He said, son, I want to tell you something. You're going to find the most jealous people in the world are preachers of each other. I said, I can't believe that. Why would I be jealous of another preacher? He told me the truth. We want our name at the top. Everybody else is part of the cast, but they're not the top billing. We don't have to have the top billing to be used for the Lord. Amen? We have to be willing servants. Let me share some scripture with you, and I'm going to close. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. He says, and this is part of our responsibility as Christians. If you want to be an influence, if you want to win people, if you want them to see Jesus in you, listen to what this passage says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Did you ever stop and think, as Diane and the group come for us to have our invitation, did you ever stop and think what you could be if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit living in you? Did you? Did you ever stop and think? Have any of you had a conniption fit? Have any of you ever really got angry? Have you? Any of you ever get angry? Really mad? Your jugular veins stick out? Your face gets red? Your heart beats? Just think. That's the old person. And if you didn't have the Holy Spirit in you, if I didn't have Him in me, I'm telling you, I don't have a clue what I could be. But I'll tell you one thing. It sure wouldn't be good. Because I know what that old nature can do in me. I know the thoughts that I have sometimes. Whew. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that I'm not the man I could be. Maybe not the man I should be. But I'm a better man than I would be had it not been for you. Do you know Jesus today? He waits for you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to enjoy godliness. Are you walking in His will today? Are you embarrassing the Holy Spirit? God said, please don't do that. Don't hurt Him. 
Don't shame him. How are we walking today? Christians, is there something that we could do with our life that we need to do that we could get ourselves where God would have us to be? To walk where he'd have us to walk in this community, in this area where we live, could look at us and see Jesus. Let's stand. Let's sing our hymn of invitation.